You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Shay Dixon will be along shortly, but I do want to shout this out. We're going to try a little bit of a new format for the pod. We want to give you guys some snippets of some news that we think you guys will enjoy and at least need to know around LSU before kind of getting into the meat of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about LSU and the top 247 that just debuted this week. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Tua Tunga Bailoa and kind of how he factors in. And then we're going to look ahead to the weekend. So we're hoping that you guys enjoy this little bit of a change in the podcast format. And if you don't like it, tell us. If you want us to just get right into what we're going to talk about, tell us. If you would love to have more of kind of the snippet version of the podcast and news to know around LSU, tell us. Because we want you guys to enjoy this pod and have it be something where you guys feel like you guys are involved as well. So without any further ado... Shay, welcome back. Another pod getting ready uh, for Mardi Gras weekend. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a bit. But I think the first thing to start with, because really uh, LSU's loss to Kentucky is in the rearview mirror now. We'll talk about basketball a little bit later. But coming off of Wednesday night, LSU baseball had another midweek game. They dropped it to the Nichols. And what are just your initial thoughts on that coming off of a game earlier this week where they beat Southern? Well, yeah, I mean, I think Maneri summed it best, and it's obvious. They're early in the season. Uh, right now, they're playing a number of different guys to kind of get a feel for uh, what everybody brings to the table, where everybody's at pitching-wise. Uh, so I think he values kind of the opportunity to go ahead and do that kind of stuff early, you know, when you can, um, and then be sure to be kind of in your groove by the time you hit conference play and, and hopefully before that. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, I don't think it's a, a big deal. I've never been in the freak out about midweek loss crowds, so uh, I don't think it's a major issue. But, uh, look, baseball number one, let's not go far around for number two here on five things. Softball, one hit La Tech this week. Beth Tarina and them are nine and one on the year. Right around that top ten is kind of where they've been hanging. Uh, but, Billy, it won't be uh, surprising to see them uh, move firmly into the top five at some point. Uh, no, look, not a lot of uh, people right now focused on basketball, focused on baseball, getting started. Uh, but before spring ball gets rolling, the women's softball team, if you get over there, do it. They just upgraded the park once again. Uh, Beth Tarina's club, Billy, that, what a hire. She's turned out to be uh, arguably maybe uh, the most consistent coach on the LSU's campus. Yeah, no doubt. Number six in America right now, lone loss over at UL. Uh, earlier this season and that that weight room LSU did a really nice look inside of it that is just the latest upgrade on LSU's campus I'm sure more to come as as Scott Woodward continues uh, to assert himself into LSU's athletic department now almost a year into his tenure it just feels like yesterday uh, he was hired and one cool thing that I feel like LSU's done moving on to our third topic is bring out the commemorative season ticket book from the 2019 football season. It's $20. You can get it on lsusports.net. And I think, Shay, the biggest thing is is something that not everyone gets to have these days, and that's a real ticket from this championship season. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the picture of it right now. It looks to be, um, it's an eight and a half by 11 inch replica. So it's basically what the ticket book looked like when you got your season ticket. So they're sort of all lined up next to each other in order. And then it's got the national championship ticket uh, down there in the bottom right, which is a little bit bigger than the rest. Um, but it's not, it's more like a graphic that shows national championship like a ticket. Like the actual ticket had this view of New Orleans on it. Uh, that was gorgeous. It's a painting for the people who had the physical tickets and know exactly what I'm talking about. For the people that didn't, probably even more so know what I'm talking about because they've wanted to get their hands on it. I haven't heard, um, and point being, so many people at, on the LSU side got mobile tickets when they ordered it through LSU or whatever it was, uh, bought it off StubHub. Um, so I think people have been trying to find out where they can get like a replica of that kind of hard physical copy of it. Uh, the one you usually put in, like, the lanyard. I haven't heard anywhere, but um, if you're listening and you have, uh, be sure to let us know, and we'll pass that along. Uh, hey, Billy, number four here. This is probably the, some of the bigger news of the week, at least in terms of what people seem to be talking about in a downtime. LSU spring game is set uh, in April, but it's not going to be at Tiger Stadium. It's going to be at Southern. So your thoughts on that and reason being is, uh, and you can clarify for people, uh, is that the field's being redone uh, at LSU right now, the artificial uh, grass. But, again, clarification, not turf. Uh, that would be artificial turf. Um, but just new grass being laid, so nowhere to play football on. Yeah, and I think LSU went about this the right way because it is. there's never a good time to do this. I mean, whether it's the summer and the team is you know needing the field to work out on or, or what have you, it just ended up like this and it ended up following a national championship season when you probably were expecting a huge turnout in, in Tiger Stadium. But LSU went through the SEC. They weren't allowed to do it in New Orleans, Houston, or really anywhere else outside of Baton Rouge. That was kind of the big thing that I took away from it. So they land at Southern, kind of a cool deal where they're going to be able to kind of bring together Baton Rouge a little bit, get over there on the bluff and have this game. And one, one big concern that a lot of people had on the board was recruiting. How will this impact recruiting? And for me, and I think, Shay, you kind of feel the same, if LSU can't have Tiger Stadium, it is what it is. But having it at Mumford isn't a big deal as far as recruiting goes. LSU already has an official visitor locked in in J.C. Latham, one of the top offensive tackles in the country, and people were kind of you know, worried about that and how it impact recruiting that weekend. But here's the deal. It's four hours if they're in town for the game, they're stopping by campus, maybe before the game, depending on what time the game is, that's still to be announced. They're going to get the tour of, of the new football ops, which is obviously really, really impressive. They're going to be able to see that. They're going to get to do Tiger Stadium and kind of check that out, and, and they're going to be able to say, look, we're having this brand-new drainage system put in. The field's going to be even better for you guys and kind of show them the progress and the, the constant upgrades that LSU's doing to the – for the football team. And so with recruiting, it's not going to be a big deal. They're going to put these guys in sprinter vans or, or, or they're, they're going to be allowed to use buses, I'm sure, to bring them over to the spring game. They're going to be able to watch and then get them back to campus and meet with them, have dinner in Tiger Stadium or, or Mike Anderson's or Fogo de Chao or wherever they have it, Texas Day Brazil, and, and kind of continue on with their recruiting weekend. So for me, this isn't a big deal. I'm sure they're going to have a bunch of talent on campus still. And some of that talent could be in our fifth, fifth part of uh, the five things, and that's some top 247 prospects. The new top 247 is out. And Shay, we've talked about this on the board, but what a loaded class 
in Louisiana at wide receiver. And, and you and I were talking about it. We could see, I think, as many as 12 prospects and still early end up with four-star status in the top 247. And a lot of that is wide receiver. There's a new number one overall prospect in Mason Smith, the five-star defensive tackle out of Terrebonne. Uh, I, I guess I, it's, since I've been down here and following recruiting, I haven't seen a, uh, a Louisiana class of receivers like this. No, not class of receivers, at least not where we're at right now. Now, look, Jarvis and Odell were in the same class. They had some guys there. Uh, there have been others. But to have, so for perspective, I guess, or for fact, I mean, 10 guys land from Louisiana in our top 247. So our, you know, 247 top-ranked guys in the country, Louisiana's got 10 of them who are juniors in high school right now in their spring semester. That's about on par for where we normally see it. Then by the time they're seniors, we get a better look at everybody, um, and the rankings team maybe expands it between like 13 and 15. So you've already got a good chunk being into double digits uh, of really highly ranked guys, right, four stars. Now, we haven't seen anybody land uh, in five-star range yet, I guess, to become a five-star on 24-7. There are some on the composite. Mason Smith is one of them. But you've got five of those 10 guys are in the top 100. Then to speak to your receiver point, six of the 10 on the list are receivers. Five of those six are ranked as top 25 receivers nationally. So you get a feel for, yes, the state has some top-end talent this year. We're still waiting to see maybe who breaks into those five-star kind of status uh, by the end, by the time they're done with their senior seasons uh, and camps and all that. And then you were really just looking at – a spot, I guess, Billy, where LSU is going to need to figure out what their pecking order is at wide receiver. Because the one thing we throw into this conversation is a kid named Dion Smith from Provine in Mississippi plays basketball there, uh, obviously plays football as a wide receiver. He's a highly ranked, just as highly ranked of a wide receiver as these guys. And he's already committed. Uh, and he's talked about how he does one. He's picked LSU. It was kind of a dream school. When they offered, he came and checked it out. It was a done deal. Now, Long way to go there. He's a Mississippi kid, but just something to think about. If you do wind up keeping a guy like Deion Smith, that takes one more receiver less that you then need. What does your order become? Uh, and Billy, I guess we'll try to be a front row uh, viewer here. My guess is by combining or the combination of the spring eval period where they get to go see guys in person at spring practices and then summer camp in June where they get to work them out in person I wouldn't think that we will have to wait much longer beyond that to know here's the receivers in Louisiana that LSU is kind of really going after beyond, you know, Chris Hilton and Brian Thomas. Yeah. And for me, I got to see Brian Thomas play basketball with Jalen Cook earlier this spring. And just, I think a little bit over a week ago now, just seeing how he changed physically and, and coming off that junior season, it's no wonder he ended up being the new number one wide receiver in Louisiana. Chris Tilton could still make some noise and, and take over that spot with a strong senior year. Keon Coleman, I think, is somebody that we're really high on. And there's others out there, too. So this Louisiana receiver class, really impressive. Top to bottom, I think, in terms of high-end talent, like we said. But long way to go in the rankings process. More guys will emerge. Savion uh, Jones out of St. James had, a, had an outstanding uh, junior season and has that frame, has that two-sport uh, ability as well. So... Uh, long way to go in the rankings, but I feel like Louisiana is, is pretty uh, in pretty good shape. I, I like where the rankings turned out 
for for uh, for Louisiana in in 2021, and and uh, we'll continue to obviously update those guys as the spring, summer, fall rolls along. But Shay, we covered those five things. Kind of gave everybody a little snippet about where things stand. Now, time for a quick break. On the other side of this break, we'll talk about Joe Burrow, the NFL draft buzz around him at number one, along with Tua Tagovailoa, who's picking up steam, and then talk a little bit more about the weekend to come, including uh, Mardi Gras. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll catch you guys on the other side of it on the Go 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Shay, this is... a. Uh kind of started to dominate the news cycle in the NFL draft. And actually, before you and I jumped on, I was watching a first take kind of debate what Joe Burrow uh, had said, which is that he has leverage in this in this situation as the number one guy. You know, when you're an NFL team and you have that pick, especially when you have it and you need to probably take a quarterback like Cincinnati wants to, you've got to know that this is going to be your guy at least if things work out for a decade plus. And Joe Burrow hasn't come out and said, you know, Cincinnati's where I want to be, even though obviously he's an Ohio kid. I don't think he'd have any problem with going there, but it sounds like Cincinnati is at least giving serious thought to taking Alabama quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. So let's, I guess, kind of, Start with this feeling. Do we think, or I should say that people are pointing out a couple of things here. A, yes, he's got the leverage. Well, what does the leverage mean? Well, everyone's going to immediately go back to the Eli Manning. You know, I'm not going to play uh, on the West Coast. I'm going to play for someone else. I'll hold out. Ends up being drafted by the Giants. And they sort of, Archie kind of took control of that. Well, uh, Eli, rep by Tom Condon. Tom Condon works for CAA. Uh, CAA is obviously who Burrow signed with. So not that there's a, a link to a bunch of, you know, instances where there's precedence here, but uh, people have circled that and said, well, here's something we can talk about. And then they say, well, does Burrow really want to go to a losing team like that? There's other teams out there that would, would trade up or maybe are already within striking range uh, to be able to take him. How could he finagle his way uh, into a different situation? And uh, obviously one of the biggest talking points would be, well, Joe Burrow's already kind of done, um, and I guess I would say it is becoming a more common route, but a not-so-common choice of leaving, taking control of his destiny before saying, I'm not staying at Ohio State uh, and letting my final two years of eligibility run out without me putting myself in a better situation. And he did that, went to LSU, paid off for him, won national championship, won a Heisman, 
and is now in position here for the number one pick. So I get all that, right? And, and I hear it. I'll, I'll riff here. We can start it here. Do you believe that Joe Burrow and his camp, through the advice of their agents or together or whatever it might be, would want to try to get out of going to Cincinnati? Or do, my, I guess how I'm saying this is my opinion is nothing's going to happen. I don't think that they're seriously thinking about any sort of wild, you know, NFL draft late game, 11th hour move. I just, it blows my mind thinking that this is anything more than just people out there needing something to talk about with the number one pick. Yeah. And Joe hasn't been shy about doing interviews. He was on Dan Patrick show around the Super Bowl. He did the one with the Fort Worth Star Telegram where he, you know, straight up said, I have the leverage in this scenario, but yeah, I don't think this ends up being a big, big thing. I think Cincinnati ends up taking him. I think he ends up being the number one pick. But, uh, you know, I'll say this, Shay. I would love to see him uh, in a Washington Redskins uniform and, and have him have a second chance to beat out uh, Dwayne Haskins for, for the starting job. But I don't think that'll happen either. So I, I think he ends up going to Cincinnati, and it's kind of one of those, uh, you know, hometown type. Of, I know it's not his hometown, but hometown type of uh, deal. His his uh, his his girlfriend lives in Cincinnati as well. And I think that's something that's that's worth uh, discussing there. And so she wouldn't have to move and he'd get to head up there and, and start his NFL career. Yeah, I think, uh, and look, here's the, uh, here's the thing I'm thinking is the, the more interesting debate, uh, or at least the, the feel for uh, what could happen long-term. Do I doubt, Bur- do I think Burroughs getting picked number one by Cincinnati? Yes, I do. And until I see anything more than, random speculation and Joe being somewhat coy in interviews, which he always is, then I don't have anything to, I don't need to even weigh in on it much more than that. Just to say, I don't think anything's happening, but here's the debate. I don't mind who long-term and we have to consider all things. I'll let you give your take and I'll give mine. Would you rather take, would it be Tua or would it be Burrow? Uh, it's it's not close, and I don't say this because I cover LSU, and I'm sure you know some Bama fan will get in my mentions, you know, listening to our podcast after. But here's the deal: when you're investing a number one overall pick, and and this is why I'm kind of surprised too is getting this buzz around the number one overall pick. But I don't care where his ankle, where his hip is at. The fact is, is that he's had two major surgeries. Uh, I'll call them major surgeries on those ankles that tightrope tightrope procedure. And then the hip injury at Mississippi State, that's a concern for me. I, that uh, He's kind of in a situation where are you, you going to be able to rely on him to be healthy and, and to carry an NFL franchise, which is what the number one pick is supposed to do and what a first-round pick is supposed to do. So I, I'm in the camp of you take Burrow. He seems like the safest pick as far as the quarterbacks go in the draft right now. Uh, and I don't think twice about it. And and I think that that's what ends up happening with Cincinnati. So I guess here's a better question, I guess, at least for maybe what I'm wanting to debate here. And again, you know everything, um, but you're the 30, what, one, two pick where let's, you know, we saw Lamar Jackson go in this range. If you're the 32 pick in this draft and, and don't imagine what team that is or fit. So you're paying significantly less money. Would you take Burrow or Tua? With the with the thirty second pick, well, yeah. Let's just say in a world where they're both there. Like I guess my point is, yes, if you're investing all of this number one pick money in a guy, you, investing it in Burrow is probably a lot wiser than the guy coming off multiple surgeries. 
But if you're not having to pay as much, like if you just got to have one of them on the, your team for not that wild contract, which one would you take? I'd probably still take Burrow. I, I think his completion percentage, and obviously Tua had an outstanding college career and did it for multiple years. I think that stands out to me. But when you get into the the, the draft interviews, I think Burrow's going to stand out just a little bit more. Son of a coach, uh, understands, I think, uh, the, the NFL – uh, systems of how things work and, and how you need to be uh, prepared and not that Tua wouldn't be. And, and maybe I am coming off a little bit of a, you know, Burrow high from covering him for the, for the last two years. But I, I just think what, what he's able to do in the pocket, moving around, making those tough throws that seem to be kind of coming more and more into play in the NFL I would take Burrow. I think Tua probably has a little bit of a stronger arm than Burrow. His zip in the intermediate passing game seems to stand out when the pocket's clean to me. Uh, but look, Burrow, what he was able to do, and, and, and LSU had a ton of talent around him. So did Bama. Uh, but it, I just think what he was able to do this past season stands out to me the most. And, and maybe you're on a different wavelength than me, but I'm, I'm still rolling with Burrow. Well, I've no doubt I'm on the same wavelength for number one pick. I mean, I would coming off of what we saw this year, uh, does he have the body of work that Tua does? No. Um, is he the pure-armed quarterback that Tua is? No. Um, but he had the best season that we've ever seen from a quarterback in the history of college football, uh, single season, uh, and he's completely healthy. So, and then you toss in um, that I think you, you know, I don't think either of them would interview poorly enough to where a team wouldn't want him. Uh, I think guys gravitate towards him. That's always been the case. When you look at both of them, all the way back to high school through college, um, you can tell they're just natural leaders. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, uh, I don't think that either of them stock would be hurt in that way. I would, I would pick Burrow knowing he's completely healthy and that he's coming off the season he did. Um, now, I think that, and I know my hypothetical is ridiculous, 32 pick and those two being available, but I think long-term both these guys are going to be pretty good. And then there's this new wave of young quarterbacks. Obviously, Mahomes wins a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson uh, is one of the biggest names out there. We're seeing a, a good crop now uh, of this kind of Kyler Murray even uh, is in this group of guys moving into full-time starters who are going to be that next elite wave. I'm, I'm with Tua and Burrow here. I think both of them, I'm extremely more confident that those two will make it with some sort of longevity beyond what Justin Herbert uh, and a handful of other guys from and, and these other guys that are in this draft uh, as quarterbacks, uh, what they ultimately can do in the NFL. So I, I understand the debate and, and I know that Tua has been injured and, and that kind of uh, really tears down um, kind of the momentum he had as, as what most thought would be number one pick, but uh, boy, it'll, it'll be fun to watch because uh, I have, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Tua if he's healthy, like all these people are saying, Adam Schefter and these guys are tweeting that medical stuff looks better than it does, uh, that he'll go higher, Billy, than most anticipated. But, you know, whether that's top five, uh, I think that's the range we could probably start to talk about. Yeah, and Miami, they've got that two of fever. I think, you know, being in a tropical setting. for Well, him, they were tank for two, right? And then the Bengals took over. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, the, the Dolphins did about as poorly of a job as tanking as, as humanly possible this season, especially late, late in the, uh, late in the year, uh, uh, that, that Redskins, uh, Dolphins game was kind of one of the tank games early on in the season. And, uh, that, that two point conversion, they, they, they rolled out there to try and 
try, quote unquote, get that get that win was was uh, almost borderline, obviously uh, t- tanking. But, but uh, yeah, the Dolphins, I think, could easily end up picking Tua. And I'm with you. I think he jumps over some of those other quarterbacks that you mentioned as well. But Shay, moving on now, I think health concerns kind of can can also be included in this topic. And that's by the end of this weekend, Mardi Gras up. How are we looking health wise uh, following a, a big weekend in New Orleans? Man, <clears throat> I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking strong, looking healthy, feeling hydrated. Need to be good about these final 24 hours before uh, leaving on Friday. But uh, I'll be down Friday. Here's my here's my itinerary right here. Down Friday, always end up going to um, some of the parades in the quarter during the day, uh, and then wind up at Pato's in that three to four range. Uh, I'll be in the piano bar. I've seen a lot of our listeners, a lot of people on the site uh, during my annual Friday uh, of Mardi Gras Pato's trip. So we'll hold it down there probably as long as we last. Uh, Saturday, get up, do some parade stuff. I'm going to watch Endymion this year, and I'm sure I'll see a lot of y'all out on the route. But uh, going for the watch instead of going to the ball. I've never ridden Endymion. I've actually never ridden in any of these New Orleans parades, but done Endymion ball a bunch. And I'll go ahead and give you spoil my Sunday plans as well. Gonna go to the Bacchus Ball, so not riding, but gonna go to the ball um, with my wife and a bunch of our family and friends. But I, I've decided now. I've done both balls. I'm way more of a Bacchus person. I feel like in Endymion, uh, when it's been in the Superdome, obviously, uh, that it's too big. Uh, you can't really move around very easily to go see all different tables wherever people might be. I found Bacchus to be easy to get around. Obviously, it's a lot smaller, um, but still big enough to be uh, a huge event. So doing all that, Monday, that's when I tap out. I decide my tap out uh, beforehand. It's not something I push or, or figure out while I'm down there. Uh, always end up going on Monday. So need it. I need to stay healthy through the weekend. Three-game series here, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Uh, be back Monday and, uh, and certainly in the ice bath probably just rehabbing. Well, take care of yourself. I remember uh, back in college, my first uh, Mardi Gras ball was Hermes. What a time. What a time. Family was actually in town for it to kind of see me off uh, before that night. And and like you, ended up after that uh, in Pat O'Brien's. I actually ended up at Pat O'Brien's after the national championship game. That was kind of by the time we were done working, it, it was about 2 a.m. by the time I got out onto uh, Bourbon Street, ended up with a little cigar walking down. And it was actually a little bit more tame than I thought it'd be that late after the national championship game and ended up in Pat O'Brien's. And it was quite the scene. They played the LSU fight song. They played We Are the Champions. The pianos were going. Uh, Colin Baton Rouge, obviously, uh, Pat O'Brien's, one of my favorites, so you can't go wrong there. I'm actually going to take it pretty chill on Friday night and going to head to my first Spanish town parade on Saturday. So if you're in Baton Rouge, see me out there, say what, what's up. Uh, but doing Spanish Town for the first time, usually I'm in New Orleans or out on the road and you know doing seven on seven or, or some sort of uh, you know, football stuff as the spring kind of got going. So I'm looking forward to Spanish Town. I know there's some of the other media uh, friends of ours that are going to be in town for it and uh, looking forward to Spanish Town and then kind of maybe seeing where Sunday takes us. Maybe maybe a trip over to New Orleans and and getting a little Mardi Gras buzz on. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm looking forward to a long, long Saturday. I'm a big day drinking guy. It's supposed to be pretty uh, beautiful weather. And, uh, you know, looking forward to running through Spanish Town once. Yeah, I've, 
I've been to the Spanish parade, town parade once, I think, but I've not been, and I assume you have it, to their ball, which is supposed to be like even more wild, obviously, with absolutely no kids there uh, and, and an adult late night event. But yeah, Spanish town for those that haven't gone uh, or at least you know don't even know about it, uh, do some Googling. I'm sure you can find some uh, Google images or whatnot. It is... Uh, of all of the Mardi Gras parades, Billy, I presume you've been fair warned that it's more, one of the more risky ones, not from a danger standpoint. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I, I'm, I'm well aware, ready for that. Uh, I do have a follow-up. Risque is what I should say. Yeah, risque. risque. What, uh, what, what are your, what's your Mardi Gras attire going to look like? I know you got, you got, got some uh, different, different fashion takes than maybe I do. Well, the one go-to here's this is this is free advice for anyone who's out there uh, and just needs some Mardi Gras tips. I'm not charging for this. Fanny packs are the way to go on a weekend like Mardi Gras. <laughs> you don't have to worry about where your wallet is. You don't have to worry about where your phone is. Uh, if you're carrying anything um, extra or need to put whatever into your uh, your fanny pack, you can. So I like it when I'm running around the quarter. I'm out at parades. Uh, I, I swear by it. I don't care at all about my age uh, or whether or not it's cool to wear a fanny pack. It's the way to go. You don't, you can get – look, T-Bob wears one. It's all black. You can get one that's multicolored. Re- really, whatever your vibe is, you can make it happen uh, color scheme-wise with a fanny pack. So that's a go-to. Beyond that, it doesn't appear to be raining this weekend. Won't need a rain jacket. I don't have, like, any, like, wild Mardi Gras outfits. I don't know if that comes like it's a super surprise, but – Maybe, oh man, I've got, I think I've got a couple of like those Perla style um, Mardi Gras shirts and sweaters, so uh, I can bust one of those out. It's going to be a cool weekend uh, in South Louisiana after this rain gets out of here, so uh, I'll put that together. Look, the, just a fanny pack and shoes you don't mind uh, having to throw away probably at the end of the weekend is really my only suggestions uh, for males or females going to Mardi Gras. Very smart on the shoes, especially. And if you're walking down Bourbon, I mean, those things are toast uh, by, by the end of the weekend, without a doubt. Uh, Shay, I, I am going to move us along to a little bit of final business, unfortunately, before the, the weekend gets going. Uh, could be fortunate, could be unfortunate, but let's start with LSU basketball. Lost four of five, obviously was right in it to the end against Kentucky, made a late push, couldn't get it done. And they've got to get a win at South Carolina on, on, on Saturday. I'll probably be wrapping up my day and get on the couch and watch that and, and talk with the folks on the board a little bit uh, with that one as it gets underway at 5 o'clock in Columbia. LSU 18-8 and eight overall, South Carolina 16-10. and 10. If they drop this one, they'll kind of fall into that middle of the pack of the SEC. And, and just from talking with the guys after the Kentucky game, and we'll hear, hear from Will Wade on Friday afternoon, but – this is probably about as much win as it gets to kind of get them back on the right track heading into the back half of this SEC play because they have some winnable games down the stretch. They'll play, I believe, Auburn again, and that'll be kind of one of the, the certainly the big biggest game uh, in Baton Rouge for, for LSU fans to check out later on. But it, ha- it has to start with a win at South Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, you got to get back on track. I thought if you're an LSU fan, the biggest thing that sucked uh, from the Kentucky loss beyond losing was that was kind of your last chance to really make a big one. You say Auburn, but uh, had they won that Kentucky game seeding wise, that would have helped them out uh, a ton. But they need to find a way back on track. As you said, those records for LSU and USC 
after these past two weeks ain't too far off. You lose this one, and you're sitting about the same as a team like South Carolina. That was not the storyline just a couple of weeks back. So got to get back going there on a road trip to Columbia. But I'll add this, too, before you continue on. Uh, when you're listening to this pod, it's probably during or after uh, the LSU-South Carolina women's game ended, uh, which was Thursday evening. But uh, looking to uh, get a win, number one team in the country. And just kind of a side note, shout out to them this year, the Lady Tigers. I know they've had uh, some unfortunate injuries, one season ending. Uh, but to be 18-6, and 8-4, uh, a couple of weeks left uh, for them to close strong before the SEC tournament, uh, it's one of the better seasons they've had. Uh, and if you've you got time and you want to go to a final home game, haven't seen them yet, uh, get out to the PMAC because uh, they're having a pretty darn good season. Yeah, no doubt. And and I'll say one final thing on the South Carolina game and kind of how the SEC is going. LSU is, is still can push for a top three, maybe even top two uh, seed in the SEC tournament with a strong finish because Auburn just lost to Georgia. I mean, that's a bad Georgia team, even with Anthony Edwards, but they trailed by double digits most of that game and ended up losing. So SEC still kind of there. Uh, I don't think they can win an SEC title, regular season title again, but uh, it just goes to show kind of the season that, of college basketball that we've uh, been seeing so far. LSU baseball is going to host Eastern Kentucky. We're going to see Paul Maneri kind of change things up a little bit in the lineup, try and get a little bit more uh, balance between bat handling and defense and all of that in the lineup. Hal Hughes is going to be at short. Alex Milazzo going to catch two games this weekend against Eastern Kentucky. So check that out at the box. I might even go out there Friday night and, and see what uh, the baseball team is all about. Softball hosting the Purple and Gold, Gold Challenge. Uh, they'll have games against Belmont and Sam Houston. And then LSU Gymnastics, always a big draw, but they're at Missouri Friday night. They're coming off a win against Kentucky and uh, first place finishes in Oregon at the gym quarters finals. Shay, we're big track people these days, following the top 247. A lot of those guys have impressive track resumes as well, and uh, the men's and women's track program is uh, rolling right now. Yeah, they're pretty highly ranked, about as high as you can get. Uh, indoor season's gone well for them. Uh, they're back in action this weekend uh, with LSU Twilight. If anybody's ever been over there, it's actually a, a fun time to watch them. Indoors is really fun to watch because you're kind of right there on top of everything. But, uh, yeah. Nice start. Women, number one in the country. Men, number two. Uh, those are in kind of the, the go-to national track and field rankings that everybody uses. Uh, and impressive. You've got Mondo out there breaking uh, his own world records in pole vaulting. Uh, and then you've got all the guys back here on the team uh, showing out. So, what? Big weekend there. Big weekend, big weekend for a bunch of sports. I know some of them are out of town, but uh, obviously if you're wanting to check out uh, some baseball, whether it's of uh, the men's or, or softball variety, uh, you can do it this weekend. No question. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this new format of the podcast. Quick reminder to review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends if you like what you heard. Tell us what we can do better, whether it's on the board, in our Twitter mentions, or uh, just on a review on, on iTunes or wherever you catch the podcast. And also, big thanks to everybody that subscribed during our promo this week around the rankings. We're back to our uh, dollar uh, for the first month uh, deal that you guys can take advantage to subscribe to go 24-7. So that'll get you covered really for that first month uh, of really spring ball. You can, you can get 
the spring first month of spring ball for just a buck. First couple weeks of spring ball, they start on March 7th, and we'll have a ton of recruiting updates over the next couple weeks, kind of teeing up uh, when the dead period ends. So check out Go 24/7. Subscribe for just a buck for that first month. Shay, be safe out there at Mardi Gras, and to everyone out there, be safe uh, with your Mardi Gras partying. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend, and and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, nice weather. No rain in South Louisiana. It might rain wherever you guys are listening, but not here. I saw a low of 40, high of 60. So I got no complaints. I hope everybody enjoys uh, some downtime this weekend with whatever you're getting into. Well said, well said. And uh, with that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Hope everybody has a great weekend and appreciate you guys listening as well.